Good morning. Let me welcome you to Pittman Park Online. I'm Bill Bagwell, Senior Pastor of Pittman Park. And I'm Jay Williams, Associate Pastor. We're glad that you're with us for worship today. We've just listened together to a wonderful prelude from the archives of our recordings. The Wesley Ringers were playing. Uh, they are a beautiful bell choir of this church that enhances worship in such wonderful ways. Uh, we'll get to hear them again, too, as we sing our first hymn together. This is an extended weekend for some. Uh, for some, it is particularly powerful as it is a public honoring and mourning of those that have died uh, in service uh, in the armed forces of our country. Uh, it is our tradition annually to place a wreath uh, in memory of those that died. There are many within our congregation that have had family members and friends that have died in the armed forces. Uh, we remember their loss and also remember the precious words of our Savior who prayed for us that we would be a world at peace. He said, may my peace be in them. Not as the world gives do I give to them. And it is our prayer that Christ would be our peace, not only within our hearts and within our community, but throughout the world, that His peace would last forever. As we are thinking about our plans uh, for gathering here on our church property, I'm glad to report that we have a plan in place that will help with that, in fact, this coming Sunday. Uh, yeah, this Sunday we're going to have drive-in church. I'm, I'm really excited about this. This will be an opportunity for you to come back to the property and, and for us to be able to see faces. Um, we're going to do it in a way uh, that will keep everybody safe. We're going to ask you to, to drive in from Terrell. And, uh, we'll, of course, we'll be exiting through uh, Gentilly, the Gentilly exit. Um, but we're going to be there for about 30 minutes. It's going to involve a, a children's moment. Uh, it's just going to be a really good time where we're going to attempt to do church in a different way, but also uh, it's a way that we can come back together as a congregation and, and begin this process uh, of this rolling back in uh, to the fellowship that we're used to. It, it is something that I'm looking forward to, and I hope that you can participate and be a part of it. Um, it does not replace our online worship. In fact, online worship will continue until we're able to, uh, to get back together ourselves again in person, and maybe even beyond that. Uh, we know that, that a number of you will have to shelter at home for longer for safety reasons, but uh, we are planning to be back together again in some form, hopefully by June the 21st at the 11 o'clock service hour. Um, we uh, have met this past week as a church council, and in that meeting, we put in place a health team that will be a, a guiding all of our in-person gatherings, um, both the, uh, the parking lot gathering with drive-in church and also our in-person gatherings uh, starting hopefully on June the 21st. Watch for your email. Uh, we'll be sending out much more information about that, and so uh, watch for our communications, and we'll keep you informed. As we enter into this time of worship, let's remember that Christ is here with us. He has promised to be wherever we are gathered in His name. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us to worship remotely. Thank you for the leadership of our church. Lord, please help us to be present this morning as we listen to the message from Bill and Jay. 
During this challenging time, help us to use our time wisely and be a disciple for you. May our conversations with others be uplifting and without judgment. Help us to be kind and gracious as you are to us, Lord. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you that your mercies are new to us each day. We love you and ask these things in your name. Amen. It is through your continued prayers that I'm able to read our scripture for this week. It comes from Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Also pray for us that God will give us an opportunity to tell his message. Pray that we can preach the secret that God has made known about Christ. This is why I am in prison. Pray that I can speak in a way that will make it clear as I should. Be wise in the way you act with people who are not believers. 
make the most of every opportunity. When you talk, you should always be kind and pleasant so you will be able to answer everyone in the way you should. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me thank Jeffrey for reading our scripture this morning. Jay and I will be sharing reflections today in this final uh, thinking through the letter of Colossians. Paul's expressing his heart to them and trying to guide the early church in good ways. Throughout the letter, Paul has expressed his love and care for this community. In fact, he has said to them, I'm praying for you, I give thanks for you. It's an encouragement to them that he wants to give. It's been six years ago now. I know that because I wrote myself a note in my Bible that says that I read this passage and sent it to another dear soul six years ago. A friend of mine who was at the end of her life, at least her daughter felt that way, for her daughter said, it's only days now. Send my mother an encouragement. And I chose the words of Paul. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Those words I sent my friend's way. It's interesting, she must have taken these words of Paul to heart for she lived another five years with strength and with great, great courage. It's interesting that we all want to be prayed for. Paul even requested prayer. He said, pray for us. I've had many impassioned pleas for prayer. The one that is dearly in my heart, was a request for prayer from a five-year-old child, a little girl who was in the room when I was visiting her grandmother who was so very, very ill. As I left the house that day, she called to me from her front porch as I was getting into the car. She said, Preacher, Preacher, Keep praying for my grandma. And that I did. At her request. And Paul's request to the Colossians was that they be in prayer for him. He put it this way. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word. His request was very specific to open a door for the word. Was Paul referring to a prison door? You remember that he was in prison when he wrote these words? I don't think so, so much. Perhaps Paul was thinking about just all of the opportunities that were before him in order to share the message of Jesus Christ. But I think he was focusing more with this church about the how of their expression of Christ would be to the world and how he wished his expression would be in every day. 
it's been a long time now since I have seen the bumper sticker, and I'm glad of that because I never liked it. The bumper sticker read very simply, the Bible said it, I believe it, so that settles it. I think that is one of the most arrogant bumper stickers that has ever been invented. There was a child that I ran into in a mall with her mother one day. And as I sat there waiting with them on one of the few benches that was available, I fell into conversation with the child. She was chatty. And I thought to myself, what harm could come in just inviting this family to church? I said, won't you come and visit with us one Sunday? The mother looked at me, and then the child looked at me and volunteered an answer. She said, my daddy loves Jesus, but he doesn't like the church. Oh, what a scathing rebuke from a child. I don't know that she realized how she had marked me in that moment. It may not be something that we created, but I tell you, it better be something that we're trying to fix. E. Stanley Jones, that great Methodist missionary who wrote the biography of Gandhi, was in conversation with him one day, and he said, Mr. Gandhi... Though you quote the words of Christ often, why is it that you appear to so adamantly reject becoming his follower? And Gandhi responded to Reverend Jones and said, I don't reject your Christ. I love your Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. You and I have a lot of work to do to undo what either we have done or what others have done in the name of Jesus. I've been thinking about the mystery of Christ because Paul has put that in my mind. His prayer is this, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders. But it is the mystery of Christ that he is so focused on. He states that he wishes it to be shared clearly that the mystery of Christ is the power of Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that mystery, the mystery of Christ in his Easter presence appearing beside the tomb, in his Easter presence appearing with those who saw him on the road, appearing at the table, coming with power to those that would still see him in all of his glory. Paul wished to make that present in the way that he communicated to those that were a part of the church. Conduct yourselves wisely to outsiders, he spoke making the most of the time. God bless the teachers during this time of social distancing. It's been eight weeks ago now that our schools 
began to try to function online. It's not been easy for the teachers as they reached out to their students trying to express their concern that they continue this learning environment. The students haven't paid attention in the way that they might should have. One teacher told me that she finished up just this past week and in that last session that she had with her students, that she gave each of them a superlative award, complimenting them on their vision, on their hearing, on their smile. Each one was given something special that was a part of who they were in that classroom setting. She was seeking to make the most of time. We become complacent and we miss the opportunities that we have. We don't see what God is laying before us. These opportunities to conduct ourselves wisely to outsiders and to let our speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. In the day and age of Jesus, salt was big, big industry. In fact, he used it in his language to his disciples. Do you remember? I like those words that he spoke as it is paraphrased in the musical Godspell. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its flavor, it ain't got much in its favor. Our holy calling is to love others with this saltiness of spirit. God helps us to share this beautiful mystery and to do so in a way that marks others' lives. Are you ready to be this people of God? Be used of God in every way by His invitation to serve him well by sharing the message of Jesus, our Christ. Good morning. This morning we're in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders uh, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. The title of the message this morning is Redeeming the Time. Time is the one thing that God has given all of us. It's ours to do with what we want to. We can kill time. We can save time. Uh, we can lose time. We can have all the time in the world. But the one thing that we can't do is we can't stop time or slow it down. So is time something that's beyond our control? Absolutely not. Even though we can't change the fact that time passes, we can still determine to make the most of it. And there's a scripture that talks about that. It's found in Ephesians 5.16. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, time will get away from you and become your enemy if you don't make it purposeful. This morning I want to ask a question. Is life just happening to you, or does your life have purpose? 
in this series on Colossians, we've talked about abiding in Christ and especially by praying and being thankful. And being with God like that is wonderful, but what's the purpose? I mean, sure, it's to have a blessed life, but to what end? Solomon said this of life on the earth. He said, under the sun, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And John Ortberg wrote a book, and he titled it, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. So how does life get meaning? I mean, meaning that endures and that matters. I believe that the answer is purpose. As Paul's writing Colossians, he's in prison. He's probably in the equivalent of death row, and his days could have been full of bitterness or plans for escape or daydreaming or self-pity. But he says, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. When I first read that, I believed that Paul was saying that he had been put in prison because he was preaching the gospel. But the second time I read it, the second time I read it, I read that Paul was in prison so that he could preach the gospel. And as I began to meditate on that, I believe that both are true. Paul ended up there because he was on mission for and with God. And now that he's there, he's on mission for and with God. I know this because the next passage says that we should pray uh, that I may proclaim it clearly as, as I should. Paul was in prison and, and, and his time was being redeemed by his purpose. I often tell stories of the great Statesboro Revival in the 80s. I've analyzed that backwards and forwards trying to figure out how to see that happen again because it was so incredibly good to me in some of my most significant days with God. But I think that the answer for revival is right here. There was an overwhelming sense of purpose. In those days of revival, we woke up on mission. The first thing we did was we checked in with God and we practiced His presence in other words, we were aware that He was present with us all day long. And whenever uh, things were happening in life in that moment, it took second place to listening for and responding to God's call to bring somebody to Him. We were on mission with and for God. And those two prepositions are really important. Do you see that with Paul? He has a lot going on, but it all has purpose. He's in jail, and he is praying that he gets an opportunity to share the gospel. That is his purpose for being there. But we're so busy. The other day, I was having a conversation with someone, and they referenced the story of Mary and Martha. You remember that story. Jesus had come to visit Mary and Martha, and Martha was busy prepping the meal for Jesus, I might add. And Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha got bothered and asked Jesus to correct Mary. But Jesus said that Mary had chosen the better thing. The fact that Martha had gotten upset revealed that she had lost sight of Jesus and what he was about. And she had become consumed by her busyness. But she was busy doing good, right? I mean, she had the being on mission for God, but not the being on mission with God. Now, I believe that she could have been busy and in tune with Jesus at the same time. But this wasn't the case in this story. Redeeming the time means being in tune with Jesus, responding to Him firstly, and letting His direction breathe life into the mundane. In this way, God gives us purpose. 
Paul was a prisoner second, but he's a God responder first. That was his purpose. The question is for us this morning is have we gotten busy and lost sight of Jesus? Even when we're doing good, are we doing things for God and not with Him? Are we waking up on mission with and for God? In verse 5 it says, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Years ago, my friends and I ran a Christian nightclub. It was a hangout. It was a place that, that once was a bar and, and it had several pool tables. And my buddy David and I used to love to play a game we called Holy Ghost Cutthroat. It takes three to play. And David would take the high balls, I would take the low balls, and we would pray for God to supply a middle player. Uh, you know, there were times where people would wander in thinking that they were in a bar and David and I would ask them if they would play us in a game of pool. And in the course of the game, David and I would begin to talk to each other about how good God was and the grace that he had given us. And then by the end of the game, we'd have a chance to share that grace with the person that had wandered in. Now the temptation is to make this a self-driven mission. It can't be. If, if, if it does, it, we become like Martha. Uh, the scripture says next, it says that we should be wise. And the wisest thing we can do is to be aware that in any meeting of two people, that there are three of you present. And the one with the wisdom is God. Back in the day, we called it checking in. It's just to ask God in, in our hearts what to say or to do, and then to listen. And the end result or the end of the mission would be just what we were taught to do as children. If you're walking with someone and you walk up to an outsider, you introduce your friend to him. Times redeemed in purpose. There becomes no chance encounters, no casual meetings. In every moment, we are there on mission with and for God. So how can you introduce an outsider to God? I believe that the next verse gives us some direction. It says, to let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. The thing is, is we need to be aware of the grace that we receive. I think that's the reason why we talked about Thanksgiving so much. When we see what God's done for us, we should let our conversation include that or be full of it. You know, and most of the time when you talk about grace, people think about salvation. But if that's the last time you received grace, my friends and I used to say, if your testimony is over 24 hours old, you need to check in. What have you seen or heard from God lately? Share that. Let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. A simple way to share God's grace is just to be thankful to Him out loud. It goes on to say that we should be seasoned with salt. You know, in bars, there are often pretzels or peanuts, and they're always salted. It's because they make people thirsty. I believe that Christian speech should make people thirsty for God. So what does that look like? Well, there's a passage in Romans 2, 4, paraphrased, that says that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. When we share God's goodness, it makes people thirsty. So we can redeem the time by living with a purpose, to be on mission with and for God wherever we find ourselves, to walk with God and with people and to connect the two intentionally as often as possible. The fruit of staying on mission with and for God 
that never goes back in the box. It's eternal. It saves lives and it saves souls from destruction. Time flies. Will you let God redeem it this morning by giving you purpose? This word convicts me. And I look forward to the days ahead of being on mission, not just for God, but also with God. In doing that, we find a sense of purpose and no wasted time. When I felt like the burden was more than I could hold. When the whispers of worry overwhelmed my soul. 
Lord, we come humbly before you, asking you for your blessings for the remainder of this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship and give you praise and honor and glory. Father, we ask that you would guide, direct, and protect us, each one, those who are watching online and those are, that are here in, in presence, Father. We just thank you for our many blessings, and we know that we are a, a blessed church and, and one, Father, that you dearly love and that a church that dearly loves you. Lord, as we leave this building and leave this place called a church, let us remain a church. A church is the people, and we are your people. We thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. Now, Lord, we ask that you guide, direct, and protect us as we go forth this day, this Sabbath day, and remember to keep it holy. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. Amen.